and that was that was good. And, you know, I was kind of lost in in the words there. That's why I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm up." You know, I need to get up there. So, uh, so yeah, that was good. Um, and and right for us to to praise the Lord together uh, with with the song. And so, uh, let's go to the Lord in, in prayer, and then we'll continue our time in Jonah. Father, we we come again tonight, and we come in light of this book, Jonah. And we come in light of a book that is about your mercy. And may we come as we consider your mercy, as we consider things that we will see tonight. May you help us, Lord, to ever have you set before us, to ever have your mercy set before us, to to remember and be mindful of the greatest and the culmination of your mercy in Christ. And so, Father, we pray for your hand upon us now as we turn again to Jonah, and may you bless our time. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week we had the pleasure of beginning our study in the book of Jonah. And, of course, I did not tell you, uh, yes, last week in the morning what we were going to be studying, but now you know very well we are studying uh, the book of Jonah. And so I'll start by saying, like I did last week, that as we come to this book, we come to it as the Word of God. So, you know, if you remember, I began last time really saying much the same thing. Well... Why, why is it important? I say that again. <laughs> we come to specifically the book of Jonah as the word of God. Well, uh, there are indeed some who would like for Jonah uh, to stand not as God's inspired word, but really as something more comparable to a nice tale, uh, you know, perhaps giving nice moral lessons uh, akin to maybe Aesop's fables or, you know, Grimm's fairy tales, uh, you know, and that's not okay. That's not the way we need to approach the book of Jonah. Jonah and the events detailed in Jonah are set forth as events that really happened. Now, you know, as believers, we are not ashamed to call a parable a parable. Or a story, a story. We are not ashamed of genre. The Bible has all varieties of genre, and God has used those genres to make varieties of points. But neither of these, a parable or a story, are what Jonah itself claims to be. It claims (laughs) that it's historical. Thank you. Yes. Tongue-tied. But it claims that it is historical. It speaks of real places, so Nineveh, Tarshish, Joppa, with real people and the real God who was really going to bring judgment upon real people. So this is also the way, you know, Jesus understands this book as well. You know, Jesus, he speaks of Jonah as a real man who really lived 
who really was swallowed by a fish, who really preached. So as we continue in this book, let us come in light of the real God who has spoken with the real Jonah who really disobeyed and the real Nineveh who really needed to hear God's message. We're not coming to this book as a moral tale, simply as some sort of fable for us. It is God's word and it is true. So it is necessary that I again say it is God's word. (laughs) So if you'll remember, this is a book about God's mercy. And we saw that last time. More specifically, what it does is it displays the compassionate and mercy of God towards all peoples, that we would be a people of compassion and mercy towards all peoples. And we saw that. So that last week, and we will continue to see that, because that is exactly what this book is about. In Jonah chapter 1, we saw God's mercy was extended again and again to Jonah. You remember that. Now, some of you weren't here, but it was over and over again. And Jonah, plus, so do some Jonah math. So Jonah plus no repentance equals God's judgment. So Jonah was going to die. He was thrown into the sea. His end would be in the sea. The servant of the Lord that we saw from Second Kings, that he, Jonah, the son of Amittai, was called a servant of the Lord. He would go to his grave in disobedience. So we are meant to be left wondering at the end of Jonah. And I know, like we began last time, many of you know that story, you know it by heart. But we, let's just say we're coming to it the first time, for the first time, let's say, we're meant to be left wondering by the end of Jonah chapter 1, what will happen to Jonah? So it makes me think, you know, of watching, I don't know, you probably have seen it, but Adam West's version of Batman. So, you know, when they would end on a cliffhanger, if you know what I mean, you know, so you'd have, will Batman escape from the clutches of the Joker this time, you know? And will Robin arrive in time to save him from the gas chamber? You know, or whatever whatever it was at the time. Well, this is kind of kind of the way we're to come to Jonah, the end of Jonah chapter 1. What will happen to Jonah? And so hopefully we do that, and we now, as we come to Jonah chapter 2, we come to it in light of, well, wow, this is what happened. So let's read then, beginning with actually Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, because I did not finish chapter 1 last week. I did that intentionally. So let's read on to what is in store for us here. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then... Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord with my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, 
that I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Right off, we find a drastic change has occurred. With chapter 1, verse 17 alone, we don't know what yet, but something has changed. Jonah is not going to die. In mercy, the Lord, he appoints this great fish to swallow Jonah. Why? What happened? Well, let's delay the answer for now in order to consider a couple things here from chapter 1, verse 17. First, let us consider this great fish. When I was younger, you know, there in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, my older brother Russell and I, you know, we would often go to my mammal's house during the summer months to swim. You know, at various times, we lived in various places in Sepulpa, but, you know, there was a specific time we lived very close to my mammal's house. In fact, we would walk to her house because we were that close. And so we love that. You know, during that summer, we went and swam often. <laughs> well, the pool, it was situated in such a way, you know, that the trees, you know, they provided some shade where at the same time, you know, light would come through openings between the branches. And, you know, this would create various shadows in the pool. So at times, you know, these shadows made it seem like some great fish was under the water. You know, and we had great fun with that. You know, we had seen the movie Jaws and all these other things, so you can imagine how we would have fun with this these shadows in the water as we were in the pool. But I remember, you know, one time I went to my, my mammals alone, and I, I was just there in the pool by myself, and I was thinking, you know, I, I am glad that this is not a real fish. <laughs> well, for Jonah, that big shadow under the sea, that great object heading toward him was a great fish. <laughs> so imagine, among other things, what you would have been thinking if you were Jonah. You would not be thinking, oh, there's the mercy of God. You know, you, you would not, you would have been looking at this fish with great fright. <laughs> and it didn't just come near him, it swallowed him. So yikes. But this creature, it was not sent in judgment, but it was sent by the mercy of God. But as you have probably wondered yourself, what was this great fish? So while I can tell you right now, 
Well, this fish was. So in the Hebrew, we are told the secret. We are told that this is a big fish. That's what it says in the Hebrew. Now you know. Well, in other words, we don't know. You know, we, we can't really know what this fish was. Now, we can guess at it, you know, and there are fish definitely big enough to hold Jonah uh, out there. Uh, the sperm well, you know, though we have, you know, said it's a mammal, it would have certainly qualified as a great fish. It can grow up to 67 feet long, and so just to put that in perspective, that is larger than a city bus. It could fit Jonah, but even bigger than a sperm well, you know, a blue well can grow up to 100 feet long, which is as big as an airplane. So we have qualified candidates for who could have fit Jonah in their belly. But beyond this, what we need to see here is we need to see the bigger point. This was a miracle of God. Fish do not normally go around giving rides inside their bellies, nor do they ride just in time to save someone from death. We see the great fish, but we are, more than this, meant to see the greater God. God had sovereignly appointed this fish to come and save Jonah. It didn't just come on its own. God had assigned this fish for this task. God had called and it came. You know, perhaps he told it while it was many miles away. He said, go, I have a task set apart for you, and it obeyed. Now, as amazing as God's mercy is there, we know he's even still a greater mercy. In chapter 1, we saw God move heaven and earth with the tempest. We see God now here move a fish. But God also moved heaven and earth to save sinners. Then some scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah is set forth as a book that magnifies God's mercy, and here Jesus directs us to the greater mercy that has come. Jesus sets before the scribes and Pharisees their answer. They want a sign. Jonah was in the fish three days and nights, and that was a mercy extended to him. Now I have come, Jesus says, and I will bear God's judgment upon myself, and that is God's mercy extended to you. There is your sign. I have come, and I will be buried three days and rise again. I will bear God's judgment upon myself in your place. But he also said, yet you will not have it to the Pharisees and scribes. And may it be that you will. 
that we would not buck at this sign of Jonah, but receive the mercy found in Christ and in Christ alone for perishing sinners. May we glory in the mercy that we have drank from ourselves and share that drink with others who are desperately in need of it as well. May their cry not rise up against us. Now as we turn then to verse 1 of chapter 2, we are told first here that Jonah, he prays. Now to understand this prayer correctly, we need to understand this prayer is recounting what happened after Jonah was thrown into the sea. So he's praying inside the belly of the fish, but he is recounting what happened to him after he was thrown into the water. So we're getting a view into what Jonah was walking through as he was floating down to the bottom. So this is the first time that Jonah prays in this book. You know, we didn't see him pray in the midst of the tempest. We didn't see him pray in the midst of the mariner's interrogation. Uh, nor even when he told them they would need to throw him into the sea. We did not see Jonah pray. And like a stubborn child, he refused and he said, I am not going to repent. I will not do it. You know how children are, you know, stomp that foot. Well, that's the way I see Jonah here. He was stomping his foot. He knew what he was to do. He knew the right way he was to go, but he would not do it. Let me ask you, is, is there something you need to be doing? Are you delaying to do something that God has made clear to you? He has shown you from his word that you are to act and you have not. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe there's, you know, bitterness in your heart and he has made clear. I have extended mercy to you, brother, sister. Maybe it's some habitual sin you have refused to turn away from. There is never an occasion where sin is not hurting you. You hear that? There's never an occasion where sin is not hurting you. It, it promises not to. It always will do that. It'll say, it'll give you something that will bring you joy, but it always will hurt you, every time. And so, may it be that we consider that. What is there that you need to do? You know what you need to do, now God's calling you to do it. Don't delay any longer. Do what you know is right. So, we see here then that Jonah, he prays, but, but note here he prays at the last possible moment. Even after he was thrown into the sea, his hard heart His feet were dug in, even as he was floating to the bottom. He says, out of the belt of the shoal I cried. He had waited even up to the point of the cusp of death before he would cry out to God. 
Verse 5 and 7, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. So he had gone down deep before he cries out to God. And then it says in verse 7, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. He had indeed waited to the last minute. It wasn't until he was on the very edge of death that he cried out to God. So he ceases, though, running from God's presence. Do you remember that? Jonah chapter 1, he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. But now he runs to him. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple where the presence of God is. Now think about how incredible this is. Remember, God had appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. God knew that Jonah was going to cry out to him, and he had already appointed the means of mercy. But deliverance did not come until Jonah prayed, until he ran to God and not away from God, until he was a broken, humbled man. Here we see just how much God's mercy is magnified. Jonah deserved to die. He was obstinate, almost to the very end. Remember, mercy is not given because it is deserved. And note well here, God extends his mercy even to the very end. God is ready to have mercy on those who seek him. What darkness-piercing words they are from Romans that declare for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Never lose hope. Keep praying for that loved one. Keep planting seeds. Keep laboring in prayer for even the hardest of people. I was one. Now, unbeknownst to me, while I was living deeply in rebellion against God, in many ways and many times there was mercy extended to me. Yet, like a child, I had said no to God. But during that same time, others were praying dependently for God to save me. Megan and her mom prayed for the man she would marry and that he would be a minister of the gospel. And that same year, I came to faith in Christ. My mom prayed for me in her Sunday school class and even many others at her church were praying for me. Don't give up. Keep extending mercy even to the hearts. All this declares these final words of Jonah's prayer here, which he himself had seen, and now he prays, salvation belongs to the Lord. It is not in your hands, Jonah. It is not in your hands, Haven. It is not in your hands. 
It belongs to the Lord. And what a reason to praise God. If it was not in His hands, there would finally and fully be no hope for us or for anyone. But praise the Lord, it it is in His hands. And so this chapter ends with the Lord telling the fish to vomit up Jonah, which it does. It obeys. Jonah had been granted mercy, but now we have another question set before us at the close of this chapter. Will he be faithful then to proclaim God's word? I love how Jonah leaves us on the edge of our seats. What will happen next? The Batman Adam West version. But let me urge, let me close by urging us. And urging you, respond to God's mercy. Daily we have received it, and so let us not simply uh, walk in it. Let us live out our faith. Let your repentance be repentance. Let it be genuine. Having received mercy, like Jonah, he is now called to act. And so are you. So am I. Father, we come and we thank you for just your marvelous mercy. Just, we need to marvel at it. So many ways that we see your sovereign hand calling a fish, extending mercy to, to Jonah. Just at the right time, you already knew he was going to call out. You already knew where he would be. You already knew he'd be at the bottom of the sea. You knew when he would call out. You knew that he called out. And you sent this fish to come right then and right there to swallow him that he would not die. What marvelous mercy you give. And as we reflect upon that marvelous mercy, may we reflect upon the greater marvelous mercy in your son. It was three days and three nights in the grave for us. And may we act upon the mercy we have received, even as we have heard your word, we've received your commission. May we now go proclaim it.